Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Alright guys, Pirates getting deep into the offseason here. Ben Sherrington coming out with some comments. But you know for me, my heart and my love is in minor league baseball. I've been watching you know, some of the Arizona Fall League, been looking into some of the winter league stats, getting really pumped up for that. Uh, Rule 5 draft, because you know the Pirates have really nothing to talk about right now. Chris and I already talked about arbitration. We got to get into the Rule 5 draft, so I brought in somebody who I know may be one of the only people in the world who watches more minor league baseball than I do, Anthony Murphy at underscore Murphy88 from Pirates Prospects. Murph, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing great, doing great, man. I'm really, um, really happy to be able to get on and... and uh talk some baseball with you today yeah man and, and i was really excited about this reached out to you and, and we put this together pretty quickly uh just because i mean it's just something i look at i my wife will say i'll be like sitting there the tv's on and i got my phone in my hand she said what are you looking at and i'm like minor league stats i'm watching minor <laughs> league videos she's like what are you talking about and so she just thinks i'm kind of crazy and a little bit off the wall. So I needed somebody to dig into my craziness with me and, and to definitely get into some Rule 5 draft conversation here. Uh, we can get this out of the way right away. G1 Bay was going to be one of the guys that everybody was going to discuss as to whether or not he was going to be protected. Added to the 40-man you know, prior to the end of the season. So this is one we can pretty much just cross off our list right away, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, and he the the type of season that he had. I mean, I know people were calling for him a lot, uh, but as as you know, and and as I know, and you know, people who look at the <laughs> the transactions in AAA, the man was on you know the injured list for a little bit. But if he wasn't, do you think he would have even been up sooner, or was this maybe just a pre planned thing, no matter what? I mean, that's that's. That's kind of tough to say because, like, at the the pace that he was going, like he, you, there really wasn't any argument you can make as to why he was still down there. And then obviously he gets injured, misses some time, has to come back, struggled a little bit when he came back, and got things going. And so, I mean, with the way he was hitting, I would have to believe that like the plan was to get him up sooner than what he did. 
just just because, like, I mean, you could probably make a case out of the guys who spent the majority of the season in the minors. Like, he probably put together one of the better overall seasons, and he fit a, an immediate need for the team with his ability to play in the outfield and the speed and, and, and whatnot. So I would have to believe that it was probably something that was in the plans to go sooner. But I mean, I guess I guess we will we'll never know with that. Yeah, and I just kind of threw that one at you because I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on that as well. I was I'm on like the same bank. It, it for me it was like okay, 2023 is more than likely his season. I would have liked to seen a little bit more at, of him at the major league level. But as Ben Charrington has has already shown, like he kind of sees triple A as like an equal ground and it's more of, you know, getting guys at bats. And if they're performing well down there, it, it doesn't really, you know, show too much as to, you know, how they're going to do up here. I mean, we've seen dips in guys before, but it's not the way they kind of evaluate things. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So they, they definitely do it a lot different. And before we jumped on here, I was talking to you about like my own thoughts on the rule five and, and the rule five, like it's not even talking about who we're going to pick up in the rule five draft. I mean, to some degree who we could lose, but it, it's more about who the, ch- who the pirates choose to protect and, and who they choose to leave, you know, open to the rule five draft when they made the protections last year, we didn't know for sure if there was going to be a rule five draft, obviously you know, didn't end up being one, but them making a protection of, say, a Jack Sawinski over a Cal Mitchell, you know, maybe, you know, show the direction they were going to go. It's not that Cal didn't get a shot this year, but it did take some injuries and some poor performances and different stuff for him to get up here. Whereas Jack, yeah, took a little bit of injuries and stuff, but he was, you know, first man up. So it was like, this is the guy we protected. This is, you know, we protect him. We protect Kanan Smith and Jigba. Like, these are our guys that are going to get a shot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and yeah, the way you put it, it's more like, I, I agree with it. Like, my, my way of looking at the Rule 5 is, like, you kind of, pretty much like what you're saying, like, you want to control what you can control. Control the controllables. So you protect the guys that you want to keep. Make sure you don't lose the people that you want because you, you don't know who other, the other teams are going to be, you know, leaving available and, and who's who's going to be out there and whatnot. So I'm not going to plan anything for that if I'm not sure who's going to be available. I'm, I'd rather just make sure that I build my roster and, and protect the guys that I want to keep going forward. And then if by chance someone that, like, is out there that, like, okay, cool – we've had our eye on him a while, we can take him, we can make this work, then go out and grab him. But for me, it's more about keeping the guys that I want to keep as opposed to looking using the Rule 5 as something to add something to the system. Yeah, and if anybody's wondering, like, who's, you know, Rule 5 available to be drafted, uh, needs some, like, background on the Rule 5 draft, you know, the number of years that they've had to be in the system, their ages. I mean, Fangraphs does a great job. Uh, over at Pirates Prospects, you guys do a great job. Uh, Ethan Houlihan has his own, you know, Google spreadsheet that he has. We've had Jason Martinez, Mr. Roster Resource, on. Um, I usually pull up those ones side by side. Um, but then, like, you know, the Roster Resource, it just has a real clear red R5 
beside the player's name. So if you're wondering, you know, who could be eligible in this year's Rule 5 draft, that's who it could be. And But the one thing I will say and is that there also is that uh, minor league reserve list. I call it like almost like the AAA reserve list where guys can be put on that and not be selected in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft but still be eligible for the major league portion. So that's more of where my focus goes is the guys that, you know, would still be eligible to be selected in the major league portion. Cause those are the ones you're going to hear about um, a little bit more. I mean, we have had like a Shea Spitzbarth who, you know, was in the minor league portion, but then get, did get, you know, some playing time uh, within, you know, the major league season. But for the most part, it, it's the rule five guys that, you know, are going to be, you know, have to kept like, you know, and, the Oviedo's of the world uh, for the entire year. So I think we should just go with maybe are there guys that are must protect to you, Murph? Uh, like, you know, after we talked about all this up there and I, I, you know, I pulled all the names out. Like I said, I, I have Ethan's spreadsheet pulled up right in front of me as well too. Ethan's amazing when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of names out there, a lot of recognizable names, but I don't know if there's as many must protect guys as, as maybe you would think with the names on here. I, I, I think obviously the, like the, the biggest one would be Andy Rodriguez right now. Um, Mike Burroughs would be another out outside of those two. I mean, you, you can make a really good case either way for a lot of the other names. And a lot of that would come down to how, how you plan on building your, your entire roster, um, who, who you're going to let go um, on the current roster. But, I mean, of the, like, the, the 50-50 guys at that point, there are a lot of intriguing names out there. Um, but I don't know if you wanted to go over your um, – your if you had any must-protects. But, like, I, I feel like for me, like, Burroughs and Endy are, are the two obvious – must keep at at this point. I think if if nothing else changes going into it. Yeah, and I, and I completely I, I co-sign on those two. Uh, that's for me. Those are like no doubters. Um, another one that I I would put into the almost no doubter category would be Malcolm Nunez. You know, just acquired uh, in the Jose Quintana deal is really uh, with the just the, the bad season that Mason Martin had. And everybody knows that I, I do. I love Mason Martin as, as a person, as a player. I, I The power is, is something you really can't ignore. The K's is also something you can't ignore. But Malcolm Nunez has kind of jumped into the conversation as, you know, the top prospect at first base that the Pirates have. Yeah, I, I, I would agree that, that Nunez has probably taken – taking that spot over like for, for me like not to get too far sidetracked with it but like me me looking at the first base position like I, I feel like that's yes you want to get someone maybe they're like consistent and everything like that but I'm, I'm okay with like having to move like like an ND there or Henry Davidson maybe not on a permanent basis so like having having like a set future guy isn't as big of a necessity for me personally so that's why I wouldn't throw him into the, like, must protect or even, you know, you can make a pretty good case there. And plus, if you look at, like, the history of, like, the Rule 5 and stuff like that, 
you know, a guy who's probably like a fringe first base slash DH kind of guy, maybe not might not be in the biggest demand when when this comes around to it. So you may be able to get by with not protecting him. But that's that's again that's like a broader picture. I have to look at like the entire kind of thing on there. But that would be the only reason that I would leave him off the list. But like he's done nothing but impress since he's come to Pittsburgh. Like I, it, he has above average raw power. But it's really like his approach at the plate that I've noticed. You know, he's he's walking. He walked about like fifteen percent of the of his plate appearances since coming over to Pittsburgh. So not not your exactly your your prototypical first base prospect. So yeah, and and that's one where I I definitely agree with you on on the fact. I mean, a lot of the times, you know, in the the major league portion of the Rule Five draft. I mean, it's it's more leaning towards uh, the, the pitching end of things. Sometimes, you know, maybe like a, a fourth outfielder that you could hide, you know, on your t- on your team for you know the majority of the season. You know, different stuff like that. And a first baseman wouldn't be, you know, in that category. You know, Nunez as you know a third baseman by trade, but kind of like mo- has become more of like the first base. You know, DH type of profile i i definitely would you know kind of agree with you on that that's just the one that if if i'm like looking at position players he was the mm-hmm. one that was maybe if you put you know endy and, and you put if on the pitching side you put like you know the burrows there he would be somebody that would just be like a little bit of a tier down maybe not the full tier but like a half tier down for me exactly and you want to talk about like a you brought up like the, a fourth outfielder. I guess I guess if I had to put the like next man up or next man or the guy who just missed the cut for me, it'd probably be uh, a Matt Gorski type. You know, he had the big breakout season. He was a, he was a guy that I've been watching for the last couple of years. You know, he, he the loud tools and and that kind of stuff. We just kind of needed to put everything together, and and we saw what he did. You know, he changed his swing up a little bit going into the season, and and we we saw their results with it. Um, he, he'd be a guy to an extent that I, I think would have a possibility with it just because of his age and, like, you know, you can stash him. He's a good fielder, so you can play him as, like, a fourth outfielder for the season and, and kind of just let him work things out. But he'd be, he'd be another name, too, that would probably be in high consideration for me. Yeah, and he's he's a tough one, too, just because of, you know, the injuries – this season, yeah. you know, was supposed to go to get, you know, some additional work in, in the, you know, the Arizona fall league and just wasn't able to get that done. He's a guy that, you know, they've even toyed with a little bit at first base, but he, he definitely has the defensive profile to be an outfielder plays, you know, all the outfield positions, uh, mostly center field, right field, a little bit of left field and just, the power potential there, which mm-hmm. with the pirates on a team that, I mean, I know they had more power this year and just to go to like the major league side for just a second, they did have more power this year, but it, it's, it, you can't ever have too much power. Just like when somebody says you can't have too many arms. That's another thing you can't have too much of is too much power. Exactly. And another thing that plays into his favorite too you you take a quick look at the the Pirates forty man roster and the outfielders there and the amount of lefties that they have there and Gorski would would provide a power bat from the right side too 
something that they don't have on the roster right now. Oh yeah, man. It, it's like, how many lefties do we have? And it's like, no, how many righties do we have? Because it's, it's exactly. not really that many. <laughs> Most of the time people are just like, okay, we needed some left-hand power bats, you know, to get over that Clemente wall. And now it's like, man, we need to balance this out a little bit. It's, it's what the people asked for, though. Right? <laughs> yeah, you got to give some lefty power, so we gave them lefty. They gave us lefty power. So. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely did do that. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me, and not just because of the white beard, but also because of the Y that is always on top of my head, the hat I always wear, the Yin's brand, proud partners with Bucks in the Basement, three dynasties. One brand, Yins. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yins for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins. The emphasis on the two Zs. High quality comfort. Lightweight materials. A new modern look for the black and gold. Made for Yins by a Yinzer. Um, another one uh, that, that falls into the the catcher category, but also outfielder category. Everyone knows that I love him. So I'm going to be a little bit biased, but that's going to be Blake Sable. Like where does Blake Sable just because of his versatility, he does have first base in his background, plays the outfield and basically went back to playing catcher, something he hadn't done since the Cape Cod league in 2018. Uh, on a consistent basis, started doing that last year and this year. Where are you following on Blake Sable, man? Blake Sable, and, and I, I know, I know. There's there's some guys at uh, Pirates prospects who are gonna who are gonna um, kill me for not not bringing him up immediately. Um, but uh, Sable had it. Um, it was a great story this year. You know, he comes in. You know, he's probably gonna feel, play a little outfield, catch maybe here and there, like you said, first base too. Carter Benz comes out the season, struggles. They need so he starts forcing his way to play catcher a little bit more. Henry Davis comes up, they push Benz to to Indianapolis. Dave, uh, Henry Davis gets hurt. So Blake Sable just keeps getting forced into the catcher spot and he, you know, playing catcher play. I think I I was putting together an article on like catchers and defense and everything like that. He finished with like the second or third most innings behind the plate this year out of any pirate in this in the system. Which I don't think anyone would have expected that coming into into the year. You can kinda of argue about like, you know, the success and his long term long term future there, but I think the versatility and the power that he can bring, um at the catcher position too, um, he's definitely a guy that I would lean towards maybe wanting to protect. Like if you're worried at all about anyone taking him, um, but you know he's kind of the he plays like all these positions. But is he even is he average or fringe average at any of them at that point? So is he more of like a kind of a designated hitter at that point in, at the major league level? I think that could be part of the reason why maybe you don't protect him and maybe he does sneak through at that point. Maybe he doesn't have a true position at the major league level. So, Yeah, and, and the one thing I, I look at for, for Sable, and, and this would be, you know, kind of my argument for as opposed to against, and, I mean, everybody can have, you know, the difference of opinions. 
I mean, he did get 412 plate appearances in double A, bumped up to triple A, has over 101 plate appearances. And for me, that's kind of like the the cutoff to like be beyond the small sample size at a level. So he just basically goes above mine just by a little bit. For me, it's the it's the the K rate going down and the walk rate going up as he moves through the system, which is is something that can happen to players when they're actually seeing better pitching. Um, he was, you know, in uh, Greensboro in 2021, struck out 31.4 percent of the time. This past uh, season, he when he was in Altoona, 26 percent. And then when he gets up to Indianapolis, it's 21.8%. And then you see the base on ball rate um, go up from even from uh, Altoona to Indianapolis, 9.2% to 16.8%. So if you're seeing better pitching, you know, maybe it's, it's helping him grow more as a pitcher. Now, if your K rate rises at that point in time, then maybe you just, you're struggling with certain out pitches, you know, some, a change up, a curveball, whatever it may be when guys are throwing more of those. I mean, you're going to see that in double A as well, but from, you know, guys in Greensboro, a lot of times they're, they're living on, you know, their fastball and their, and their best off-speed pitch. And now you're seeing a lot more. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's really all you can ask for, for like a player, like Sable is just to continually get get better. Um, the the his ability to like where he's cut down on strikeouts as he's got up reminds me of Cal Mitchell in a way. Cal Mitchell he, he never really put up any like eye popping numbers in the minors, but he was just continually solid and continually got better. And that kind of put him in a position to where while he wasn't immediately protected, he was whenever they needed a guy to come up, he was one of their first options. And I guess, I guess that maybe could be the same path that someone like Sable takes is maybe he doesn't do it. And maybe he bucks out because he doesn't have like a true position or maybe everyone's dealing with a 40 man roster crunch this year. So there isn't as much activity with it. And then pirates get an injury early on in the season. Um, and Sable's one of the first guys to, to get the call. Yeah, and and that could definitely be something along, you know, that aspect of things. I mean, there's there's just a ton of guys, like I said, it, people who haven't go check out uh, find find Ethan's stuff, go to Fangraphs on the roster resources because there's, you know, like an Aaron Shackelford, a guy with a decent amount of power, but you know, does play. It, it's versatility is a huge thing within here, but. You know, I would put like a Malcolm Nunez above those. Um, Abraham Gutierrez, you know, great behind the plate, you know, down in Greensboro, should be in Altoona this year. He's one of those guys, I don't want to bring it up too much anymore, but he might be one of those guys that goes on that, you know, reserve AAA minor league list as opposed to, you know, a 40-man spot because you, you really don't want to lose him, but you also don't think that somebody is going to take a catcher you know, who hasn't played <laughs> above, you know, like a high A. Uh, so there's, exactly. you know, there's ones like that. But to go to, uh, and this one is is another one. It's, you've got three guys who are considered, you know, third basemen, but, you know, do play other positions. You've got the trio here of Jared Triolo, Andres Alvarez, and Dario Lopez over at the third base spot. Would you see any of those, you know, garnering 
at least even some consideration for being protected? I think so. I'll, I'll get off and say, uh, I'll, I'll lead off by saying Dario Lopez is probably my favorite prospect to watch in the entire system. Um, just like he destroyed pitching in, in a single A Bradenton a couple years ago at 19 years old. And he, once he found his groove in Greensboro, really took off. But he's 20 years old. He's a 20 year old kid who hasn't played above A ball. I would not imagine a scenario to where the Pirates would need to protect him unless they kind of feel like he's going to be ready within the next year or two and they just want to be on the safe side and just, you know what? we have the extra spot we're going to add him but I don't foresee a scenario in which he would need to be um Triolo he's a very interesting case because he's one of the best defensive players in all of the minors he can play he's played some shortstop he's played some in center field I don't think he's played second base at the professional level but I believe he did play it in college a bit so he is definitely flexible to play wherever. He has the second most hits in the entire Pirates minor league system the last two years. Only Envy had more. He uh, he was like top five in both high A and double A when it comes to hits and average over the you know as he's moved along. So maybe for a guy who's not really known for his offense, he's just consistently hit the last two years. I feel like he would be probably the the guy that you would want to keep because you don't want to lose him out of those three. Also, he's the guy that kind of makes the most sense for another team to take and kind of stash on the bench because he can be like a defensive replacement late in the game because he's good uh, defensively and he's flexible around around the field. And and he has hit every level he's gone to. He's He's hit at so far. So... I think he would probably be the guy that he'd probably be the out of those three, he'd probably be the most worried about losing. And as far as maybe protecting if you can find the room on your roster to do it. Yeah, and here's the, for some reason I was like scanning up and down the list as you're talking. I'm I'm looking at stats, I'm looking at a bunch of different things. And a guy that who would have probably been a no brainer had he repeated the season that he had last year, this year. Matt Frazier, Rule 5 eligible, that one right there, it kind of kills me. Uh, I went to opening night in Altoona. Dude blasts a home run. I'm going nuts. And then after that, I'm not saying that that was the highlight of his season, but, I mean, it just really never took off from there. No. Every every now and again, I'd be watching Altoona game, and he'd come up with a couple big hits you know, in late situations or he, he would do, he would do something and then he would do something else the next game. And like, okay, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe he's breaking out. He, you know, I, I, I read, um, where he, he mentioned that it was like just one swing that he took the year before. And that's when he took, he realized something clicked for him and he took up and we kind of spent all year this year waiting for something to click and have him take, take off. And it, and it just never kind of came. Yeah, and it it just didn't, and and now you know, like I said, he could go in under that you know other umbrella, but I don't know if anybody would would take him compared to like the season that he had after you know such a breakout season. They would see that as possibly the anomaly. 
If it's Wednesday night, I'm grabbing the mic. If it's Sunday, I'm grabbing some wings, watching the Steeler game. Baseball's in the offseason, but there is no offseason at Patrick's Pub and Grill. Patrick's Pub and Grill, 1207 Spring Run Road Extension, Moon Township, PA, 15108. Daily drink specials. So sit down on the patio, grab yourself a beer, and enjoy. Before we, we get too deep into the woods here, we, we do have to touch on uh, pitching a little bit. Uh, as far as the starters go, you know, Mike Burroughs, we said, you know, no doubt. Um, another one that he would he would have been eligible last year, but is, you know, didn't have it is, is Cody Bolton, who pretty much had his, we knew he had his innings managed this year and, and for good reason. Um, but, but he's also the type of guy that, a team would probably select in the rule five draft. Yeah. I mean, he's Cody Bolton had a interesting year this year. You know, obviously, like you said, they wanted to manage his workload. He caught COVID. Apparently it was, it was a pretty heavy, heavy case of it too. So they had to, another thing they kind of had to ease him back in. So he never really kind of got in a groove, but I th- he's pitched all year at AAA, um, looked really good at times. Other times you can tell that it's been a while since he's pitched or that he was easing back in. But, yeah, I think if there's one pitcher in in the upper levels that would be Rule 5 eligible this year that you'd probably be worried about getting taken. And you can probably make an argument that even coming out of not pitching for two years, there a team could have really taken the chance on him last year as well just on a pure upside thing, knowing that they're going to have to ease them back anyways and probably could have stashed them on the injured list for a while as well. Yeah. And especially like a, a player that when it's, you know, not almost even like how Ben Charrington would think looking for guys who don't have a lot of arms on their inning and a lot of innings on their arms. Sorry. I'm like doing like a, I don't know if that's a Freudian slip or a Charrington slip. I don't know what that would be, but it was just, you know, doesn't have a, a, he hasn't pitched a whole lot and the injury wasn't an arm injury. So a lot of people even look at that, that, you know, the injury was, was a leg injury. So, I mean, I know that when you pitch, you pitch with your whole body and it could pop up other injuries later on. But a lot of times people look and say, man, this guy actually looked pretty decent this year. And he hasn't pitched a whole lot in the last three years. And he was once, you know, a top, top prospect in the system. Maybe we can take a shot on this guy. Exactly. Exactly. I think, I think we probably, now there's more, there's more video. There's scouts had a chance to take a look at him and, and stuff. So there, there's been more eyes on him now. And like he did pitch last year, but like you said, the arm is is still relatively fresh compared to compared to some other pitchers that may be available. So yeah, he he would definitely be a guy that that would be that would intrigue some teams around the league, I would think. Yeah, and and if you go down, a lot of times like the guys I talk to, and, and you know whoever you know we'd be having discussions about a lot of times you're like okay well relievers like people could stash relievers I would almost put you know Bolton into that swingman category but as far as relievers you've got JC Flowers, Tanaj Thomas, Colin Selby I mean there's there's a decent list I could go on even further you know with some of the guys that have have flashed at times but I mean 
there are a decent amount of relief arms in the pirate system. I bet you money if you go on and when I'm looking at the Fangraph site here right now, just looking for the red. I believe there's more red in the relief section than there is black for guys that aren't eligible to be selected in the Rule Five draft. Oh yeah, absolutely. The the Pirates Pirates have built themselves a pretty pretty good stable. Have some pretty good depth when it comes to minor league relief pitching right now. And, and um, you mentioned J.C. Flowers. Uh, J.C. Flowers. He he had such a great year this past year. They used him in almost every role that you can ask uh, a reliever to to pitch in, and he, he did good in all of it. He has one of the best sliders in, in the system. Um, Dan Graff's mentioned that he if he's not the most athletic player in the system, that he's probably the second most athletic. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's a lot of relief pitchers out, out there right now um, in the system. I think there's enough that even if you even if you go out and you lose one in the rule five, I don't think that's going to hurt the team as as much. But yeah, I I, I think at least me pers- personally, when I look at like the rule five, that's usually what you see at least to start teams that maybe want to add an extra arm in the system, go pluck one out from here that they kind of stash away. And and I would say that the the pirates do have maybe a couple names that would be intriguing to a couple of teams. You mentioned Colin Selby. He's he's in the Arizona Fall League right now, and he's he's like throwing gas out there. Like he he's topped out at ninety eight, ninety nine, like multiple times out there. Yeah, and so. the funny thing is, hopefully that uh, a lot of people out there don't know Colin Selby as much as the guys from MLB Pipeline. I, I love those guys, but. I think the one guy called him Connor Selby and didn't even really know who he was, which when you're looking at that, I mean, I know who he is because I I mean, I focus on a lot of minor leagues, but my main focus is the Pirates. Um, but, but yeah, so it was just like, there's this guy out here throwing like 98. I think his name's Connor Selby. And I'm like, oh man, that's Colin Selby. And he's, he's getting like some attention out there. So it would definitely be a guy that I would be, you know, worried about. And for them to, you know, give him the nod to the Arizona Fall League, some of it is for advanced work. Some of it is for uh, just trying out new pitches. Some of it is because a guy's been injured. But, I mean, sending him out there was definitely a very cool thing. Uh, but but we're running out of time here, Murph. I, this has been absolutely amazing. Everybody knows that this show is 30 minutes a bucks. I At this point in time... I'm wishing it was 60 minutes a box because I mean, I would just keep on talking. So all that means is we're going to have to have you on again, brother. Absolutely, man. Let me know. Name the time. I'd love to do this again. Yeah, we definitely will. And for people that don't, um, you have to go out there and follow at underscore Murphy 88. Uh, check out like it, he's got a, a YouTube page where he has the videos. He's writing articles over at pirates prospects. I uh, definitely check out his work and everything that they do over there. Uh, once again, Murph, thank you so much. This was awesome, man. Nah, man I, pre- I appreciate you having me on. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say, one thing.